1: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash Wake Call DT. That's where you're listening. You're watching right now on Facebook Live, Facebook.com backslash Live Now DT. Every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, you'll catch us on Facebook Live and you'll catch us on MixLR Live worldwide. You can listen anywhere, watch from anywhere. We thank everybody that's watching on the East Coast, West Coast, the Midwest, and outside of the country, all the way to Spain this morning. We appreciate you and wherever else you are. So thank you for your viewership. Thank you for your listenership and your support of... Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. We definitely do it different here. We're inside of the Charney's menswear and tuxedo studios, and I am more than happy to have on the broadcast here with me this morning Syracuse Orange football alum and former bearer of the number 44, and that is Michael Owens. Michael, how are we doing today? Good,
0: good. Doing well today. How
1: are you? We're doing very well. And, and, Michael, you and I talked about it a little bit off the air but uh, last week was a tough week to watch for the Orange. I- I'm sure as an alum, it was a tough one to watch. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, I, was, I mean, actually, it was the first game I had to watch this year. I missed the first game, because I had to work. So I was really anxious, and I had a big day set up, and uh, the big day didn't last very long. Let's just put it that way.
1: <laughs> and, I mean, when, when you see that game, I mean, I-, I had said going into it that I was very concerned about Maryland because it was on the road, you know, this Maryland team with Josh Jackson, who is obviously a good quarterback at Virginia Tech. And you bring in Mike Loxley, who's the offensive coordinator from Alabama. He only knows what it's like to go all the way to the national championship in recent history. So, you know, a lot of fans were just focusing on Clemson and looking past it. Did you feel going into that Maryland game, obviously not a 43 point loss, but did you get the same sense that I got that this was a game that could be a little trip-up for Syracuse because it was on the road and because of the fact that, you know, I think that Maryland's highly underrated this season, at least at least at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I was really looking forward to, um, you know, being to 0 I figured that Maryland would be a tough outing uh, being on the road. And Maryland's going to a lot right now as a program. Um, I believe they've, they've lost a player or something not too long ago. Uh, And they're playing for a lot of different things, and uh, you know a team like that's always dangerous uh, at home. Um, I believe that uh, I really thought going into the game that we would be two and zero heading into this week. Uh, Very surprised with the way we played. Uh, Didn't do anything very well. Didn't block. Didn't tackle. It seemed seemed like we were just guessing the whole game, especially on defense. I just I I really didn't know what was going on. It was really hard to watch. But I I thought that battle would be tough. But I thought we could get that
1: win. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, like you said, you know, I thought Maryland was going to play him tough. I did pick them to win the game. I thought it was going to be maybe like a 24 20 type of game. Uh, defensively for the team, was was that a shock for you? Did they just look like they couldn't? I mean, they, they had a few passes defended. They had one sack in the game, only uh, as far as tackles for a loss, I believe they, they just, you know, just it was five at the end of the game. Was it surprising to you? Because some people have looked at. You know Tony or Tommy DeVito and said, "Listen, Tommy's going to take some time. You know I've said it before. You know even though he played last year, this is the first time he's the outright starter. You got to give him some time to grow. But defensively, I thought Syracuse would be sound. Did it? Did it shock you the way that the defense played in this game?
0: Very shocked with the defense play. I mean, I was. I mean, it was, I mean, I don't know what to say really. I mean, I, they did tackle. It seemed like they were guessing on every play. The defensive back, the, the the line, we got no question. uh seemed like they could run they could pass, They did what they wanted to do, it seemed like. I mean, I'm sitting there, and it's hard to watch you watch, You know, guys from, alumni from, other, from other universities, and boy, they was giving it to us real quick. But we just didn't seem to be able to tackle or anything. It seemed like we were just guessing on the group. I mean, no one seemed like they were in the right place at the right time, ever.
1: And that's you know, and obviously that's that's the difficult part of it is that you know defensively you have to be able to lean on something, and the defense was not allowing the offense any time to regroup or figure out what they were doing wrong, and it was just kind of handing off to one, then handing off to the other, then handing back to that one, and you know obviously being in a situation where there was a, a lot of struggle for Syracuse in this game. So you know ultimately when push comes to shove, we are where we are right now, Syracuse is where they are and they're one and one heading into this game. What are your thoughts, you know, knowing that I mean, originally there was that push for college game day. I thought if Syracuse was 2 and 0 and Clemson was 2 and 0, that college game day would be a no-brainer to come into Syracuse, but they're not going to do it after a 43-point debacle. Now they're in Iowa for the Iowa Iowa State rivalry game they've never been to Iowa State before. They had never been to Syracuse and, and still haven't been to Syracuse after this. Just to, just what went through your mind there because we came into this season thinking you're going to get game day for the first time. You're going to get this opportunity to really showcase yourself to the world and that didn't end up happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I heard about the game day possibly coming up there, to Syracuse for the game, I was really excited for that. Um, that was have been big for us as a university, as a program, uh, to get them in town for the first, for the first time. Uh, yeah, it's just too bad that we just couldn't couldn't get ourselves together so we can make that happen. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to, to totally look at our roster and, and look at our, our, two D. Uh, I haven't got my media guy that I usually get to, to look at all the kids. And, uh, I don't know if we're that, we're that young or that, that inexperienced. experience. Uh, uh, the quarterback, uh, you know, take some time. He's the backup. It's easy to be the backup and come in and play well. Uh, and as you said, you know, we get that full time spot. spot that things change a little bit. Uh, defenses prepare for you a little bit more and, uh, get to know who you are as a quarterback. And, you know, I assume it might take some time for him to follow up, Regie, to call up a guy like that. Uh, but, um, I, I, thought it would take some time. Like it looks it's still going to take some time, but hopefully we can correct this thing, uh, by tomorrow and, uh, just go out there and be competitive. And I don't know happened, you know, 6,000 fans, screaming, are wearing the orange, uh, hopefully they'll have some, uh, get some good rest and get some good thoughts and know, come out and compete. I just want to see us come out there and play hard and uh, if we can pull that win off that's a great win for us. Uh, I mean, it's still, early. we are just one and one, but that's a horrible ball there tomorrow. But we got plenty of time to make up for it. So we can definitely get started tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to pull the victory off. I'm, I'm always, uh, for my guys. I just want to compete after the week like last week. We just need to go out there and compete and uh, tackle and block and uh, play some football.
1: For the best, I don't know what that was. No, and, and speaking here with Michael Owens, like you said, you don't know what that was this past week with Syracuse down, uh, falling 63-20 to 20 on the road at Maryland. They were ranked 21 in the AP. Maryland not only took their place in the top twenty five, but they took Syracuse's spot, jumped into their grave. Syracuse got bumped out of the top twenty five in the AP and the coaches poll. Maryland number twenty one inside of the AP. Syracuse got no votes from the coaches this week. They got two votes from the media to stay in the nation's top twenty five. So, you know, but to go back to it, you know, you played Michael back in the back in the eighties and and so for you I mean, there was success back there taking on big-time teams and, you know, obviously the 87 team going undefeated and all these great things that came from it. So there's been a a lot of amazing things that have happened in Syracuse's history. You got to be a part of some of that. And then we look at right now where Syracuse, the last time they were ranked in the top 25 to start the season was 1998. And they get ranked in the top 25. And now, in week three, they're already out of it. Uh, Just what you can say about that, maybe some advice to the guys, because they were they were underdogs pretty much their entire time at Syracuse for you know, whether they were there for a year or three years or whatever it's been for some of these gentlemen. So they've been underdogs. They have been disrespected. They've had a chip on their shoulder. And now all of a sudden, they come into this season ranked in the top 25. They're not now, but it's the first time in forever since that happened. Any advice to them on how to handle being ranked in the top 25 and how to handle being bumped out of it as well.
0: Well, you know, we started out ranked, and we said we haven't been ranked since 1998. And you know, Terry Hughes, as long as I can remember, as long as I've been playing, I think we've been disrespected uh, for years. I mean, I'm talking 20, 25, 30 years. It seems like no matter what we do, whether it's football, basketball, we've we, you know, we really got to go out there and, and, and push and fight for what we get when it comes to the national rankings. Um, like I said, I feel we've been disrespected for a long time. Um, To get us back in there this year, I was really excited. You know, I was just saying, now we just got to work on staying there. You you can't, as as players, you know, you got the young guys coming in. You got the veteran guys there. Uh, We don't have, I don't think we we have a veteran guy that's a a real big uh, uh, NFL prospect right now, except for the two big boys on the line there. But they got, they can't be reading the press. Can't get caught up. That's why got to work. It happens in practice you got to go out there. you got to do the things you're supposed to do in practice. You've got you to focus and concentrate on what your job is, and you can't get caught up in the press. I'm sure they were excited about being ranked, and, and, and you can't blame them. You know, you, if you're a part of the program, you haven't had that opportunity. Last year was our best season in the while, and uh, I'm sure they were excited coming off of last year, but you can't get caught up in, in the hype. You can't get caught up in what you read. You can't get caught up in what your friends say. you got to go out there, and they, they know. They know that football players and being competitive, they gotta go out and compete every week. Doesn't matter what the paper says, doesn't matter who says what. You gotta go out and play the game. And and, and once they realize that, and I'm sure Coach Babers will, will have them ready this week, uh, prepare the best they can. And uh, I'm sure they had a tough and, 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 and uh, functional week of practice. And like I said, uh, they just can't they can't look ahead. You gotta take day by day, game by game. We had the same. We've come up through that 87 team, you know, with one one down and one to go never look ahead. You know, we can never look ahead to that next that next day of practice You have practice today. What about tomorrow tomorrow? Day to day. And I think that's the attitude they have to take. They got to go out, they have to work each and every day in the weight room, in the film room. You gotta know what you're doing and you gotta go out and play.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, you can't you can't let a game beat you twice. You can't let Maryland beat you twice. That was something that was said to me by K.J. Ruff this morning as people were listening into the one-on-one conversation with myself and the starting defensive tackle of Syracuse. Can't let it beat you twice. Uh, Michael, was that a hard lesson for you to learn when you were at Syracuse? I know that you guys had success, but, you know, what was there that... You know, I mean, you're a kid. I mean, people forget that you're a teenager for you know potentially half your time that you're playing college football at the Division One A FBS level. Was it hard to let a game go and not let a game beat you twice?
0: I'll be honest. It wasn't hard for, for me or for us back in our days. We really had some really had some great leaders. <laughs> I mean, from our from our coach, from Coach Mack down to from down to Donnie Harrison, to Paul Frazier, to Ted Gregorys. Girl, girl, sister, Robert Cummins, he had some great leaders. Those guys wouldn't let us look ahead, wouldn't let us look back. We focused on that day, and we did what we did that day. We worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Yesterday, we can't get it back. It's over. Whether it was a big win, a big loss, potentially big losses in those days, uh, I don't believe at all. So, um, but we had great leaders, and it was loud. And so we followed those guys. I mean, we were all in those days. We were one. I mean, I can honestly. I say that we were one back in those days, you know, one for all one for one from from the first man to the 99th man on the team. But like I said, we just had some great leaders, and it, was, it was, I, I'd say it was easy. I mean, to follow was in the backfield with guys like Robert Drummond and Daryl Johnson and Byron Abraham, different guys who knew how to do, who knew how to pair, who knew how to handle losses, who knew how to handle So it was, it was
1: kind of easy for me. Speaking here with Michael... Speaking here with Michael Owens, uh, Syracuse Orange football alum played in the late 80s. And like you said, you know, it was easy for you. You had leaders on the team. You weren't having big time losses like the one that Syracuse just had recently with Maryland. And, and like you said, you were in the backfield with Robert Drummond, who's one of my best friends, and and Moose Johnston. I mean, obviously, Daryl Johnson went on to win multiple Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, to be in that backfield, just what you could say about that. I want to relive some of these moments because it's bookends this week. I had Rob on Monday. I got you here on Friday. And kind of funny amidst all of this is that uh, one of my buddies has a uh, Moose Johnston Syracuse helmet that's signed, and uh, he's sending it off to me, and I should be getting it today. So I kind of had a connection to the three of you already because I've never spoken with Daryl Johnson, which I'd love to do someday, but this backfield was so chock full of talent what can you say about Moose and yourself and Rob in the backfield at Syracuse back in the 80s? Uh, let me see.
0: I'm going to say the first thing I'm going to say is I think that we were uh, definitely one of the top backfields in the country through my time there. Um, I mean, what more can you say? I mean, Daryl Johnson, like you said, went on to to block uh, and win three Super Bowls for probably one of the best running backs in NFL history, Emma Smith. And then you got Robert Drummond, who. Robert, I mean, we can't say about Robert. Uh, I mean, I learned so much from Robert uh, how to be a better football player, how to be a better person, uh, how to work. My work has been everything. I mean, just the both of them just showed me the way. Coming out of college, uh, I mean, coming out of high school, I pretty much thought I knew it all and, and, and could do it all until I got there and see these guys and how these guys worked and how these guys' thought process went into how they worked and, and how they prepared. And, uh, I mean that was just fun. I mean that whole backfield. But Tom, you had Tommy Kane. you had the foul Glover, you had Pat Davis, and, and 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 uh, uh I can't. I, he's, he's skipping my mind right now. the tight end, I can't think right now. Uh, Pat Kelly. I mean we just had that. That offense was. Whew. I'm telling you, could you could you could not mm-hmm. stop just one doing I mean you know you got one about a quarterback right off the bat. What's she what gonna do? Ball coming. You got Daryl. You, 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 you got Robert the outside, got got the, the, the devout, and the rock board, the Tommy Kane, and we had two big tight ends. We had a, a, a good line. And that was a fun offense. That was the best offense I ever been a part of. I, mean, I ran around in high school like I was the best man in the world and, and scored at will and then shrunk guys off and outrun everybody. But, man, I never did a part of a backfield like that. I mean, you think about a man that, from, from the wide receiver all the way down to our full back, man, we, we had talent had yeah, talent. And all those guys were veterans to me. You know, me and Rob Moore kind of came into the scene on that offense. And the, with the young guys on the offense. But everybody else was veterans, man. And that's Sean way. Great work, ethic, great players. Uh, they prepared to, to the ultimate. Uh, that was just a fun backfield. I mean, Daryl and Robert, I just learned so much from those guys. I mean, you know, I mean, can you say their, their careers? I mean, Robert spent, I don't know, 15 years in the CFL. Like you said, Daryl. Three Super
1: Bowls. I mean, what can I say? I mean, I know some of the best. Absolutely, the rest of the world might not have,
0: the the might not have known them, but I know them. They are
1: the best. And that's the thing. I mean, and you look at it. All you guys got to eat. I mean, I look back at just the 1987 season when you, you know, when you were coming in here and you had 88 carries, 542 yards, over six yards a carry, four touchdowns. Moose had 116 carries, 614 yards. Four touchdowns over five yards of carry. Drum had eight hundred and twenty-eight yards, almost seven yards of carry, six touchdowns rushing, 124 attempts. So you all had the opportunity to get out there and do it. And then I looked back at you know the 1988 season and Moose had five touchdowns and over 120 carries. Rob had over 120 carries, six touchdowns. You had another year of four touchdowns rushing, almost a hundred carries there, just about five yards a carry from there, and then back in 1989, you know, you were able to to be the one that, after Robin Moose had moved forward, you became the guy. 211 attempts in 1989. You were a 1,000 yard back at Syracuse in 1989 with 1,018 yards, almost five yards a carry, eight touchdowns rushing, and you caught 18 passes for 100 yards. I mean, we go back and look at this, over 1,100 yards from scrimmage. I mean, all of you got to eat in 87 and 88 and in 89 over 200 attempts over a thousand yards on the ground I mean Michael this is this is some tremendous stuff you you got your time in 87 and 88 and then you turned around and ran the show in 89 just what you can say about remembering that history and it's been a long time since Syracuse had a thousand yard back I believe it was Jerome Smith under Doug Marone and you got to be one of those guys so just what you can say when I go back and tell you those numbers
0: yeah, I mean, that's pretty special. And one thing I can say about that, no one cared about what the numbers were. I don't even think we ever even, we, I don't think we barely ever looked at the stats as an individual. We did it as the whole. What did we do as a whole? What was our total yards? What was our total yards per carry? That's how we looked at it. No one cared who got the ball. No one cared who scored the touchdown. But like you said, um, you know, being there, I, kinda, I missed those guys a senior. I, I ain't gonna lie. Uh, I mean, everybody, every, every player wants to, Wants to be the star. Every player wants to be the man, you know. But when you're humble enough to understand that this is a team game, uh, you have know, other guys that are just as good, other guys that can help in different ways at different times, and we, we we accepted that. We didn't care who started, we didn't care who got to carry. the carries. All we went out there did our jobs as a unit. That's what we cared about. Um, I was really excited, you know, uh, to see Robert and, and Darrell when they went off to the NFL and did their thing. I was real excited about getting that opportunity to to be that guy back there. Uh, I was excited, you know, I was I wasn't exactly the healthiest. I had a real problem with my going throughout the year that I had to deal with. Uh that used to have to keep some games, late in the games that probably don't do about but which was fine. Uh, it wasn't enough to keep me off the field. So I was able to buck there and play. I I enjoyed being out there my back time with Dwayne Kennedy. We had a great time back there, me and him. Uh it was special for me. Just that the whole time was very special. I learned a lot about about football, about life through football. Uh, but I was really excited as a senior to be able to go out there. And I felt very good uh, but being part at the time. I believe I was I don't know, maybe four or five at the time who gained a thousand dollars. Um, I was really proud of that. Uh, and I was just proud of our team. You know, I couldn't do it alone. I had a great line at the start of my senior year. I believe my line was even ranked the first or second offensive line in the country. Uh, we kind of we kind of struggled with the new army, but we got together and uh, we finished strong. We finished as a team, and, and I felt good being, being a leader back there in the backfield. I was, I was dangerous. But I was the co captain, so I just uh, especially to be being, being able to get the position to myself and uh,
1: to go out there and, and help you. Absolutely. You know, and, and you had you had that time out there to you know, to go and, and do something special. Speaking here with Michael Owens and Michael, I mean, for you to go back throughout that history and to see everything you did and everything that you got to accomplish and And all of you know all that you got to do. You did it wearing the number 44, which you know historically has meant the world to Syracuse football. Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, Floyd Little, who's a very close friend of mine, a guy who was just on the show this last Friday, who I wanted to interview from when I was nine years old, Rob Conrad, the last one to wear 44. What does it mean to you to be a part of that history? Because there's a second piece that I want to ask you here, but first and foremost. What is it meant to you to be a bearer of the number 44, knowing that at Syracuse that number is like certified gold?
0: Yeah, um, I was, I mean, 44 is a number i wore all my life. Uh, except for maybe one year at least football, I wore the number 33. Tony North who was my idol. and uh, But that was just a special number. When I arrived at Syracuse, I really wasn't aware of how big and significant the number was. I mean, I kind of knew that, that the guys had worn it. But once I got there and, and I met a couple fans, and believe me, the fans let me know about the number 44, how they watched Jim Brown and Floyd Jettles and Ernie Davis. They said, you better carry that number well on your back. And believe me, my first week there with the autographs and, and just the, the signing sessions we used have, the fans let me know what 44 was all about. It was truly an honor to wear the number. Um, when I got there he asked me, you know, if I if I wanted to wear the number, if I felt I could wear the number and I said yes, so it's an honor. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna try to represent some of the best I can. And uh I think I did a fairly good job. I mean, I wasn't no Jim Brown, no fool, no hurry or nothing, no Rob Comrade or nothing, but uh I felt I upheld the number pretty well. Uh, like you said, a thousand yard rusher at that time there was only four or five of us in the industry of Syracuse that do that, so I felt pretty proud about that. And Just to do it with that number on my back, and I had the opportunity to 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 meet and, and talk to Jim and Floyd throughout my career there. So they 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 gave me the okay. They gave me the okay. They told me I was doing a fine job. Uh, I was staying, you know, in and off in and off the field. I was doing a fine job representing that number. And Floyd and Jim to tell me that I was doing that. That made
1: me very proud. And for for you, Michael, to to speak about this and to continue with the number. 44 how did it come about bring me into how you got it you know what was the conversation like with the school was it used as a recruitment tool for you how did how did you become the the wearer of 44 back in the in the late 80s did they utilize it in recruiting did they you know talk to you about it coming in immediately you know was it something you asked about how did it all happen
0: well, I, I I definitely asked about it. Um, I knew uh, of the players that wore the number. When I got to Syracuse, I, I remember sitting in Coach Mack's office. I haven't officially uh, said I was going to come to Syracuse. I said it was, uh, I believe it was down to them Denver Pit And, Pitt, and I, I told them that uh, I'm still, you know, trying to make my mind up. And um, Coach Mack was like, "Well, you know."
1: <laughs> and, and and that's the thing is like, you know, for you, was that, was that the selling point? Was that kind of like the stamp and, and was that, I mean, were you, I, like you said, it was between, you believe Syracuse and, and Pitt for you, was that the thing that puts you over the edge or... Was it something? I mean, was it something else? But when you sat down and you had that conversation, and you said, "Well, what number do you want to wear?" and you said, "I want to wear 44," and he said, "Okay, if you come here, it's yours." Was that kind of like the stamp? Was that the sealer? Was that like the one thing you needed to hear?
0: Uh, it wasn't the one thing that I needed to hear, but it was definitely a big plus and, and, and helped get my mind up, my decision up. This one, a number of 44, that Jim Brown. Floyd little and Ernie davis won. and you guys say i can have it i mean you know it wasn't a main factor but it was definitely a, a, a big deciding factor but uh, yeah i mean i mean how can you turn it down i mean you know these people think enough of you to do the numbers that the greatest running back in history at that time what they' were saying war oh, this number at this university they yeah. did great things with it and they want you to have it <laughs> so I felt pretty special. No doubt about it. I definitely
1: felt special. I didn't know whether I was going to be able to live up to it. <laughs> uh, definitely felt special having it. And for you here, speaking with Michael Owens in the history of, of Syracuse football this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios here on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Dress up and dress down at Charney's and get your Syracuse apparel today and tomorrow ahead of the sold out Clemson at Syracuse game. Michael, for for you you said that Jim Brown and Floyd Little spoke with you about it. Told you that you were wearing the number well. Uh, bring me into that. You know, how how do you remember those moments? Do you remember may, maybe where you were and what was going on that you wore it well? I mean, because those conversations are like it's like talking to two ghosts. It's like talking to you know, I always say it all the time that, you know, speaking with Floyd Little to me is like speaking with like the the ghost of, of Christmas past or whatever it may be. It's like, how am I talking to a legend right now? It's almost like going up to his statue and hearing it talk back to you. And then he walks out from behind it and he's like, hey, Dan, how you doing? You know, I mean, he's just always a positive guy. And I got to be around Jim Brown as well and interview him a couple of years ago. So bring me into the moments that, that Jim and Floyd said these things to you and just what you remember about them because I think Syracuse fans would love to paint that picture.
0: Uh, I, I, I remember like it like was yesterday, I was in Manly Shield House. It was my sophomore year. We were um, the game before Penn State, to be honest. Uh, uh, game five coming into Penn State, we were in Manly Shield House. about to do off the workouts this year. It looked like to me they were floating. They, 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 I don't think they were even walking. You ever seen the fight for movies? But it's the person that's like going through the air. And that's what the Floyds and Jims look like when they come through there. I just couldn't wait to, after I talked to him. I just couldn't wait to uh, call my father and let him know that just and talking and shook hands and was cutting it up with Jim Brown and Floyd Little. Now, the world knew who Jim Brown was, but not everybody knew who Floyd Little was. So I just could not wait to tell all my friends and my dad and my uncles and them, who were big fans of those guys. That I was just sitting down, and we would touch him. Like, I shook his hand, held my knee get his knee, up, we bumped elbows the whole nine. We, was just, I was a young man, and to see Jim Brown and Floyd Little and Manly Fieldhouse talking to me, telling me that I'm a good running back and to keep working hard and you're going to be all right, I mean, what kid wouldn't love that? I mean, I, I, I could have been four years old and talked to Jim Brown and I'm about to tell, like, a 15-year-old kid. I mean, they're, I mean, they're some of the biggest... You can't get no bigger because of Jim Brown and Floyd Little at Syracuse. You can't get no bigger. I mean, Floyd didn't have, Floyd had a great NFL career. I'm talking about, but you know, it goes without saying, the world doesn't know about Jim Brown, I mean, about Floyd Little, but I do. And Syracuse does. And that was just great, man. Those guys are like, I don't know. They're, I mean, they're legends, man. They're the best that ever did it. I mean, you can't go wrong. He's one of those guys on any team, at any level, whether they're running the ball or coaching it, you know? Can't go wrong with those two. It was just great man. I, I felt like I was the best man in the world, you know, because nobody tell me that you know, I probably ran around Syracuse for the next two weeks, feeling like I was <laughs> I was a man. I, I felt like I was Dommaturis or
1: something. And, and for you, you know, to be able to to have that in such an amazing experience and thank you for sharing that because I can I could feel that like kid inside of you back going right back to that moment, being excited about that. Ernie Davis wore it as well and, and obviously Ernie passed away at the uh, way-too-young age of 23 years old of leukemia. But what did it mean to you? What does it mean to you to this day that you got to share a number with Ernie Davis, even though you didn't get to talk with him or shake his hand? What does it mean to you knowing that, obviously, Ernie wore that number extremely, extremely well and left a, left a mark on Syracuse forever? Oh, yeah. I mean, Ernie won the highs. <laughs> I mean,
0: you can know, you run of the trophy with it. That Floyd Little, that Jim Brown. I'm 51 years old today. And today, I still talk about Jim Brown, Floyd Little, and Ernie Davidson. And, and I, I, I'm like a 16 year old kid. <laughs> and when I, I meet people for the first time, and, you know, we're talking, we're watching the football game, we're, really, really, we're sitting in the bar or whatever, they, they notice my range, or, you know, I usually have a dirty you joint, know, they're like, oh, you, I know you, you play ball. Uh, yeah, and I can sit there and I can sit there and I can talk about myself, same sentence with Jim Brown, Floyd Little, and Ernie Davis at Syracuse University wearing the same number they wore. Well, I mean, they, tomorrow they'll look at me, I'll be sitting in the bar today, and they're me like, like, I'm a god. Like, I'm Jim Brown or Floyd Little. I mean, it means so much. I mean, I mean, I mean, who wouldn't be on top of the world you could put yourself in the same sentence and wore and a number at much of the same university and played on the same football field and, and same locker rooms? It's Jim Brown and Floyd Little and Ernie Davis, and then you tell them that you actually know them. You sit and talk to them, and that you were to go somewhere today and run into them in and, and, and tomorrow, Mississippi, that you're going to be like you just knew them for your, all, all your life and you've never, you've never been apart. You know, it's, you pick up right where you left off. It's like we were best friends. It's like we played together. A, you know, they're 20, 25, 30 years ahead of me. It's like we played together. A, I love doing that a little bit of a day. I love seeing how you know, I talk to Christy I and mean, your daughter uh, probably twice a month, uh, make sure to tell her, to tell her dad, I said, hi, and the whole nine. And when you see those guys
1: getting three sure tell them, I said, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and no, and that's, and that's absolutely amazing. And Floyd, like I said, you know, uh, somebody that's become a, a very close and dear person in my life and has, you know, given me advice and, and said things to me that I needed to hear at the time I needed to hear it. And, and I, I just, I do, I kind of marvel at it, and I feel like the stories, I, I hope Floyd lives to be 150, the stories I'll always tell, though, are like, Dad, you got to talk to Floyd Little? i be like, yeah, you know, and and, and and what did you say, you know, and, and just those moments of, you know, of, of sitting with him and speaking with him, and really our first, you know, man-to-man conversation was sitting in his office at Syracuse when he came back to help, and we were both just sitting in a chair behind his desk, you know, looking at each other, and, went you know, the window right off to the you know, off to the side of us and I did a forty five minute conversation with him on recording for my show. It was a two hour conversation and the stuff that he said in the hour and fifteen minutes that we weren't on the air was the best stuff, you know, some of the best stuff I heard in my life. And, you know, those those are the things that mean the most to you. And I'll never forget it was a really hard time in my life. It was right before I started my company, which is now seven years old, and then some and I, I looked at Floyd and I said, I don't know what to do. I said, I, you know, I'm at a place where I'm not respected. They don't appreciate the work that I do. And I, I feel like, you know, there's there's constant bullying. There's constant negativity. There's It's not a positive work environment. I don't feel like I'm growing there. I don't feel respected there. I don't feel like anything I do is good enough. And he looked at me and he said, Dan, and he had, because you know how he talks soft and then he gets loud. And he said, he just looked right at me and he said, Dan, he goes, when you walked into the room, not everybody has this, but when you walked in, there's an aura about you. There's a light. And he said, you just, you know, you're going to be successful. You know, you're going to be good. He said, I just, I see that in you and I know that in you. And he said, you have to go and you have to do what's best for you because you can do it. You can achieve it. I see it. I see. He goes, we're going to look back on this moment. We're going to talk about how successful you were and everything that you've done. He goes, but I can see it in you. You walked in here and you're one of those guys. You're a doer. You can get it done. You got this. I remember he called a radio station uh, for me when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. He called an out of state radio station and literally called them multiple times and said, this is Floyd Little. And this is my endorsement of, of Dan Tortora. And then he met my mom and And he was like, he's like, oh, Danny, he's like, yeah, he's like, did he tell you that I called him and said that he should get a job here and this and that? Like, this man, who is a living legend, went to bat for me and told me he saw a light in me that he doesn't see in everybody and that I was going to be okay because just looking at me, he saw that there was that successful energy around me. And I'll never forget that.
0: Yeah, so you know the I'm talking Yeah. I think he's a great guy. I've never, I've never in person. Or, or seen him on TV, on a picture, where he didn't have that smile. That how this invites people in. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've never seen that. I've always seen nothing but that smile. So okay. you know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to Floyd. I mean, Floyd, he's, he's a great guy. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, and, and he'll probably to be 150. Hell, you've seen you seen him lately. Hell, he's younger than <laughs> well,
1: that. Then, then that's what I said. I was like, man, you can still get out there and hit somebody. He's like, no. I was like, Floyd. I said, look, I said, look at your body, Floyd. You're still 5% body fat over here. Maybe it's four. I don't know. But, you know, Floyd's out there doing his thing. So I have to I have to ask you about this before we wrap up for today. Speaking here with Michael Owens, bearer of number 44, played in the late 80s, played with one of my best friends in uh, Robert Drummond. I love this backfield. Michael's always been good to us here on Wake Up Call. Always been good to me. Rob's been good to me. Moose, I hope someday I get to – speak with moose but i loved watching the cowboys of the 90s do what they did and and so for you michael you wore number 44 you talk about floyd you talk about jim the honor it was for you to be at the table with them of 44 that they told you they wore it that you wore it well and they gave you that support that you know that you'll live on in history for that is it time to bring it back should it be a recruiting tool We've talked about keeping it retired, unretiring it. We don't know if it is or know if it's not. So where we stand right now is the number 44 is in limbo. Should we bring it back? Should we open it up? and should we tell people of the world that Syracuse is RBU and we're looking for the best running back in the country? Uh, yeah, I, I think so.
0: I think we can use it well right now. I mean it's definitely it would be a, a great tool for for uh, the university to use to get these young young great running backs. But I don't think we can just allow them to anybody. They gotta be great, they gotta be good people, they gotta be, you know, on and off the field, they gotta be taking care of the business. But I think we should definitely bring it back. As long as Jim and Floyd say it's okay and Ron <laughs> says okay, bring it on back. I I'm all for it. You know, hey, that's a number, it's a, it's a great number. Uh maybe somebody can come in there and they can feel it and they can have that same spirit and enjoy uh to the game that, that, that Floyd and Jim those guys had and, and that can help the whole program. Help everybody hopefully. But yeah, bring it
1: all back. Yeah, Thanks, and I agree. bring it back. I agree with you. I think it's I think it's time to bring it back. I don't you know, it's like it's great to have the history of it, but you know, for me, why not bring it back? Why not open that door to it? once again and allow that to be a recruiting tool i mean obviously with you when they ask you what number you're going to wear i mean you just told that story you know coach back says what number you want to wear 44 well it's yours if you come here you know that is that is a huge thing and syracuse's backfield's got mo neal jarvion howard abdul adams jawar jordan jr is a true freshman he's got some speed what do you think about this year's backfield as a former running back are I know they've had a, a struggling day against Maryland, the whole team did, but what are your thoughts on the fact that Syracuse now has a more traditional quarterback that can provide a more traditional handoff with a backfield that I think is has got a lot of depth this season? Yeah, I I you know,
0: that's the one thing I just question about Coach Davis. I don't like these I just hate saying this third and ones and fourth and ones and we got four wide receivers on the field and things like that. I mean, bring that running back back in that backfield and hand that ball off. We, we gotta get the back, get the ball at least twenty times a game or something like that. You know, just to, to, to try to balance things out, help out with the passing game, ease things up on, on our quarterback. So, I was, like I said, I haven't got my my media guide book yet. So I don't know what our depth chart looks like. Like I said, I only seen us play the one game this year, but uh, we gotta get the backfield, we gotta get the running back involved. We got to be handing that ball off. We got to be able to put. You know, eighty to ninety yards from, from somebody in that backfield. You know, each and every game, and I think we can do it. No doubt about it. We got to work on it, but we got
1: to do it. We got to come back to that. I think that'll help us out as an offense.
0: Absolutely,
1: and I and I can't agree more with you speaking here with Michael Owens. Michael, uh, speaking of the backfield, they're helped forward by the offensive line. Syracuse's offensive line. Uh, brought some question to my table going into this months and months ago when I said, listen, this offensive line is changing. It took four or five years for them to build the one they had last year, and then they lost pieces. So we're in week three, and on the depth chart, our center position says it could be Sam at starter or Aaron Service. Aaron Service could be the left tackle, or it could be Carlos Veterello. Carlos Veterello could be the right tackle, or it could be Ryan Alexander. So we don't know who the tackles are 100%. We don't know who the center is 100%. And Evan Adams, who's been the right guard forever, got shifted to left guard. So this offensive line's all over, and Aaron Service said to me just a couple weeks before the season at Q's Camp, he said, Dan, we're all playing every position because there's no guy that stood out at one position outright yet. And that was in the fall, and that was a couple weeks before the season that nobody had taken a job yet. And now we're three weeks in, we're going into game number three, and nobody's taken the center, the left tackle, or the right tackle positions. Is this a major concern for you that our depth chart says, hey, we still don't kind of know where everybody's supposed to fit best in our offensive line right now?
0: Yeah, that, that, that's a major It has to be. It has to be the number one concern. You can't do anything about the boys up front. And I didn't even know that until uh, you know the, uh, the start of that Maryland game when they maybe announced it, that, the, that the line was a little shuffled because you had a guard playing tackle and a center playing guard and things like that. So when I, once I heard that, I knew it was going to be just a little bit of a struggle. Didn't realize it was going to be that bad on yeah. that day. But I've got to rectify that. It's not to of the boys up front. So we got to find a position. we got to get those guys in that position. we got to leave them there. we got to let them work on getting better in that position. So uh, I know you got and athletes, division lines. Think that they should be able to adapt, but even the great ones just take some time. And, you know, uh, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a week or two. So you got to get those guys somewhere in the position where they're comfortable with themselves and the
1: team's comfortable with them there. And then you got to work on their craft. And, and you got to get better because ain't nothing going to work if we don't get them boys up front, right? Yeah, absolutely. And. And you got to get school. You know, you obviously have to figure it out because after this game, they will be a quarter into their season already. A quarter of their season will have been gone. So Syracuse, as I said, going into the season, quarterback, offensive line, linebacker were the three key places that we had to see some positive uptick with the defensive line being strong and the running backs having what they had and the secondary. Would you agree with that, Michael? Did, did you Were your biggest concerns the O-line, the linebackers, and the quarterback, or did you see it differently going into this year? Not
0: O-line, linebackers. Uh, I, I didn't know. you always know, had to be these linebackers. Who were our linebackers at on last Saturday? I <laughs> mean, I was watching as, as I replayed and rewound some, some, uh, some, some of the plays. I mean, they're out of position. They're reading them wrong. I mean, I it's going to take some time, I guess, but come on now. Like you said, we're in the third game here. I, just didn't, I didn't know where our linebackers were. Did they, how many times did they have between clean them? We've got to rectify the linebackers. Our linebackers play have played pretty good over Syracuse the past couple of years, four or five, six years. We've had great linebackers that can really fly and get to that ball. And uh, I know noticed that game in Maryland, man. I mean, just out of position a lot. seemed like we were out of position a lot. seemed like we were making bad reads because we were guessing. It looked like we didn't know what we were doing, what we were supposed to be. But I'm sure they'll get that rectified. I don't, just can't be taking another two, three weeks to do this here. We got to get this thing rectified soon here,
1: hopefully we get, hopefully we'll get it started this week. Absolutely, and and you know, and, and obviously that was something that you know caused causes issue, and, and it's happened over the last couple of years as Syracuse, a couple seasons ago, lost the starters that had been together, really starting forever all the way through, uh, Zaire Franklin, Paris Bennett as well as Jonathan Thomas. And then last year, Ryan Guthrie had stepped it up and Kylan whitner they're gone now. So this has been two years of losing veterans at the linebacker core. So Andrew Armstrong, who is always in rotation, he's a guy that's got to step up as a senior. Mikael Jones, as a true freshman, is out there now. Lakeem Williams, who is a transfer senior on the team. Lakeem and Andrew had 15 tackles between the two of them in the game against Maryland and uh, the leading tackler was Andre Sisco, who is in the secondary at the safety position with nine total tackles on the team. So, you know, it was obviously a, a rough game and a rough go at it for this linebacker core, but just like the offensive line, I mean, the offensive line lost a lot from last season to this season, and the linebacker core over the last two years has lost a lot of the veterans, a lot of the leadership, and a lot of that success. So, these are two things that I circled, and Tommy DeVito, as Michael Owens and I both spoke about this morning, is a guy who it's easy to come in and be the relief pitcher. It's not easy to pitch the whole game. And so that's what we're seeing. And so, I mean, in all honesty, Michael, this was there at the beginning of the year, but I think fans were so locked into we got to get 10 wins because we got 10 last year that they forgot about the fact that there's been some change this year. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, you know, change is always different. The change, you, always have to, you always have to learn and get better with it. That's going to be uh, tomorrow's game. Uh, I mean, you can get better or you can get worse. And hopefully we can just put last week behind us, put yesterday behind us, and we just move forward from the day on. And uh, like I said, I just want these guys to compete tomorrow. Uh, we pull off this win, and will be great for the program, great for those guys' with mindset. And uh, But it's going to be a rough one. They're going to go out and play. They're going to go out and do their jobs. Each and every man got to do their job and, and, and compete at the top level. So we'll see what happens.
1: That coming from Michael Owens here this morning. Michael, as always, I appreciate it. Got to speak on your history. Great stories with Floyd Little and Jim Brown, the number 44, your time with Rob Drummond and Moose Johnston playing together, playing as a team, not caring about the stats, and then ultimately speaking on you know where this team is at and where we go from here. So I just want to Thank you for your time, and I always look forward to talking with you soon, and hopefully you and I can get some FaceTime at some point this season. I look forward to seeing you, maybe even getting you in the studio, so it would be great to have you.
0: Yeah, no I'm going to get up here sooner or later this year. I have uh, plans to come up here and see uh, two games. I'm not sure what games they were. Uh, See Boston College, maybe. I'm not sure if it was Boston College or somebody else, but I plan on getting up early in the though. I'll definitely try to link up with you when I get up there. And I have one more thing to say before I go. Yeah. They had some kind of thing. I seen it on Facebook talk about the top 50 teams, top top 50 teams in college football history. And they I'm very disappointed they didn't have our eighty seven team in there. I've seen a lot of teams that were in there that uh are deserving, no doubt. Yeah. But uh I believe that we were more deserving than some of those teams that they had up in there. And I don't understand how we could be in there. I would not even have thought of 150 teams in the, in the years of college football how that team could not get in there because I would put 87 up against any team and we will compete and I say we'll win the game but we would definitely compete. Yeah. Probably a lot of teams that are bigger, stronger, and faster but that doesn't mean nothing. We play as a team and you played together and that's what we had in 87 and I put our 87 team up against any team in the history of college football and I say we'll win but we would definitely compete and there won't be no pushover. And we won't lose by no 43 points. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, and, and and I agree with you. I saw that 150, and you know, and, and obviously you know that you know, Ohio State and the U.S.C.s and then this and that are going to get it, and I was reading through some of it, and I'm like, I just got that vibe that there's no Syracuse anything in here. And to me, that's it, it's 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 crazy, it's insane, it makes no sense. And, you know, you look that's at the 19— 19... You what? I said that disrespect to get to us. I said that disrespect we, that we get. Yep. We don't get no respect. I told you that. We don't get no respect, no matter how good we are. No matter we won the national championship, You're just still trying to put us down there somewhere in about fifth or sixth or something. <laughs> and it yeah, and it does. I mean, it doesn't make any sense because back in 1987, the team went undefeated. The team went up against the SEC Auburn when you could tie in a bowl game, had to get that field goal at the end of the game just to try and save face. I mean, you guys were going up against the best of the best. You were hitting everybody, spanking everybody, you know, up against West Virginia, going for two at the end instead of going for the tie. I mean, there's, there's so much to be said about that 1987 team and the teams of the 80s as a whole, and then go a little bit earlier in the 80s when Syracuse defeated number one Nebraska. I mean, I don't understand why Syracuse doesn't get it, but, you know, it seems like The Notre Dames and the Ohio States and the USCs and the texass they just, you know, stay on the minds of these schools because they have had success throughout time. But just because Syracuse struggles in 2000, whatever, doesn't mean you have to, it doesn't mean you can't go back to 1987. You know, I mean, the Bulls are not that good anymore, but nobody forgets about what Jordan did when he was there. So if Syracuse struggles now, you can't forget that in 1987, you guys didn't lose to anybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. He was the best. I don't care who the national champ was that year. I think we played national champ all for the minors. He could beat them. I know
1: that. That's what I know. That coming from Michael Owens. Well, Michael, I'll put you in my 150 whatever they want to say BS. Syracuse deserves to be in there. 1987, the team was honored just a few years ago and should be honored every single year by Syracuse University. A lot of you guys are here and not too far away from our community and still connected to it. So thank you, I will say here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, thank you for 1987, 88, and 89. and, And thank you for being a part of the show today and for caring about these kids because above everything else, the kids today need to hear from the players from yesterday that you guys care about them. I think that that goes a really long way. Yes, we do, I and mean, you get a chance to talk to those guys. have those guys play hard, play
0: smart, and good luck. And I want to tell you, Dad, thanks for having me on. You do a great job covering Syracuse football,
1: Syracuse sports all together. Uh, and I want, like I said, appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, sir. Well, i look forward to talking with you soon. Okay. No doubt. All right. Take care. You too. Have a great day. Thank you too. That coming from Michael Owens once again here on the show, and and. and thank you for the positive words, Michael. I appreciate that. I don't always know what to say, you know, because, uh, you work so hard and, and, uh, and sometimes it's easy to focus on all the, all the ridiculousness of the world sometimes, and you can't. And, and then you, you know, you, you haven't, you have somebody say thank you. And it, so thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. That, that goes a long way. And that means a lot to me. I try very, very hard every single day to, uh, to bring it and, I I try to get as many guests as we can on the show and share their message, you know, Syracuse players of the future, the current players, the future players, and you just always, or or the past players, and you just always hope that that people see it and that they know it. You always want to leave your mark, you know, you don't want to just be someone who interviewed KJ Ruff. You want KJ to shake your hand and, you know, and, and remember who you are and talk to you 10 years after he's done at Syracuse and and all of that. So thank you. And I appreciate it, gentlemen. And I mean, you look at the case of Michael Owens, he played over 30 years ago, and he's welcome on the show. They're all welcome on the show. So thank you to uh, to Michael Owens and to everything you do. And, and uh, thank you for those positive words. It goes a long way.